Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Hello, Beth. Hi, Jimmy. Are you feeling good? I'm feeling good today. I'm looking forward to this episode. Well, we've got a special one in store for everyone, haven't we? We have. We have indeed. And one of our special listeners. Absolutely. So we're dedicating this episode to Adam, who's been a a real supporter of the show on Twitter. He's been lovely. He's been lovely. He's a friend of the show now. He's absolutely a friend of the show. Been very supportive from when we started the podcast, always giving us good feedback on the episodes. And he had a particular request you showed me, Mm. which was for us to do an episode on a particular band of which he's a, a um, bit of a super fan. I mean, we should have him in here doing the podcast today, <laughs> yeah. really, really. Absolutely, Adam yeah. should be here doing the episode with us. So we're going to take a slightly different format because up to now, Beth, every episode we've done has been on an individual mm. and the life story of an individual, but this is a little bit different today. It is, it is. So it's a group of people. So today we're going to be doing an episode on sex. Thank you, Adam, for all of the support you've given us since we've started, and we really hope you enjoy the episode. But for now... Let's rewind to the 90s. Steve Crosby and Barry Upton wrote a song called 5678. They teamed up with a manager named Tim Byrne, but needed singers to get the song released, so they placed an ad in the stage newspaper before rounding up applicants for auditions. Ian H. Watkins was born on the 8th of May 1976 in Rondo, Wales. His nickname H stands for hyperactive, referring to his energetic character. From a young age, he displayed an affinity for music and the performing arts. He went on to become a Butlin's red coat, but when he was able to begin his training at Cardiff Art College, he saw an ad in the stage newspaper and decided to attend the auditions. Lisa Scott Lee was born on the 5th of November 1975 in St. Asaph in Wales to parents Anthony and Janet. Her younger siblings are Anthony, Andy and Stephen, who went on to be the band 3SL. As a youngster, Lisa Scott Lee won some competitions and she attended the Italia Conti Academy of Theatre Arts Stage School. Lisa's first brush with fame came when she auditioned for the TV reality show Steps to the Stars. Lisa was briefly involved with a pop group called Second Nature, but this did not lead to success. In 1997, having seen an ad in the stage newspaper, Lisa Scott Lee attended auditions for the formation of a pop group. It may surprise you to know that while the original lineup did contain H and Lisa, the three remaining members were Derek O'Brien, Maddie Chan and Mitch Stevens. However, these three left the group as they saw the potential of Steps just being a one-hit wonder, so the founders had to set up new auditions. I bet in retrospect that was a, a bit of a mistake. Yeah, they forgot that, haven't they? Hailing from Ellesmere Port, Lee Latchford Evans was born on January the 28th, 1975, with the middle name Latchford, which he inherited from his father's lifelong admiration for Everton FC footballer Bob Latchford. Originally named Lee Evans, he decided to adopt his middle name professionally to distinguish himself from the well-known comedian Lee Evans. Initially performing under the moniker Lee Latchford, he later introduced a hyphen between his middle name and his last name. Before embarking on his music career, Evans harboured aspirations of becoming a footballer and even underwent trials with several football clubs. During his time as a student at Sutton High School, he made a notable appearance in the school production of Greece. Subsequently, he pursued his passion at the Cheshire School of Dance and Drama, which is now part of West Cheshire College. Lee answered the ad in the stage newspaper and made his way to auditions. Faye Tozer was born in Northampton on the 14th of November 1975 and grew up in Dunstable, Bedfordshire. Her family included her parents and older sister, Claire. 
From a very young age, Faye had a keen interest in both dancing and singing. At the tender age of six, she took her first dance class. And by the age of 14, Faye had already become a qualified dance teacher. At 14 years old? Yep. Faye idolised 1980s pop star Vic Astley, and her bedroom served as a shrine to the singer. In her late teens, Faye worked as a pizza cook in the cafe at Whipsnade Zoo. Well, I wonder if we've never met her. Well, <laughs> I love Whipsnade. You do love Whipsnade so However, the job left her feeling unfulfilled, and he eventually made the life-changing decision to leave it all behind and move to London. She was in the big smoke when she saw an advert in the stage newspaper and made her way to auditions. Claire Richards was born in August 1977 and embarked on her journey in the pop music scene back in 95 when she joined forces with Cozzy and Bonnie to form TSD. Their attempt at stardom led to the release of two singles, Heart and Soul and Baby I Love You. But unfortunately, these tracks only reached modest chart positions at number 69 and 64 respectively, which eventually resulted in the group being dropped by the record company. Following these setbacks, Bonnie decided to exit the group. Mariama who later went on to join Solid Harmony and eventually the Honeys, became their new member. Despite the lineup change, TSD's time was short-lived and it was revealed that their producer had a preference for working exclusively with Cozzy. After a seven-month stint as working as a receptionist, Claire's mother Nina spotted an advertisement for auditions with a group called Steps in the stage newspaper. Claire decided to audition, albeit with some initial nervousness, and she brought younger sister Gemma along for support. Claire nearly missed the audition due to getting lost on her way there. Her audition pieces included renditions of Tina Turner's River Deep Mountain High and Eternal's I Am Blessed. It was in the second round of auditions that the management team selected Faye Tozer, Lee Latchford Evans and Claire Richards as the remaining members in May 97. Steps was formed. Their first single, 5678, marked their debut in November 97. While the track didn't secure a spot in the top 10, it maintained a steady presence in the UK top 40 for an impressive three months. It holds the distinction of being the highest selling single of the 1990s that didn't reach the top 10 charts. When I looked at that, I was very surprised. I, I sort of remember it being more successful than yeah. not having made the top 10. I didn't realise it didn't make the top 10. But the song did achieve significant sales with 290,000 copies sold in the United Kingdom and 500,000 copies sold worldwide. One of the key factors was the dance routine, which capitalised on the trends in the UK at the time, which was line dancing, and you yeah. certainly had an attempt at that dance a moment ago, didn't you, Beth? Yeah. yeah, I did quite well, thank you very much. Okay, after the success of 5678, the plan was to release a whole bunch of line dancing songs, each with their own dance routine. This was seen as short-sighted by the group, and there were fears that the group might not stick around. However, they were introduced to Pete Waterman, who proceeded to sign them under his Eastern Block Unity label in partnership with Jive Records. Pete went on to describe Steps as Abbott on speed. But I love how we've got Pete again. Pete popping up again. The Stock, Aiken and Waterman trio just seem to be involved in <laughs> nearly every story we do that involves music at that time. He presented the group with his song, Last Thing On My Mind, which was originally penned as a Bananarama track. The song was officially released on April 17th, 1998, and it achieved considerable success, selling 330,000 copies. It marked a significant milestone for Steps as it became their first UK top 10 hit, reaching sixth position in the charts. Steps unveiled their third single in the UK, One for Sorrow, in August 98. This release proved to be a game changer, selling an impressive 363,000 copies. It made a striking entrance into the UK charts, debuting at number two, just missing out on the coveted number one spot. 
The group were about to release their album, Step One. It entered the album charts and got to number two. To date, the album has sold about two and a half million copies in the UK. Their subsequent single release came in the form of a Christmas release, Double A Side, ultimately becoming Step's signature song and their best-selling track to date. The Double A Side featured a cover of the Bee Gees classic Tragedy and an original track titled Heartbeat, which was an original track written by Jackie James. This was unleashed to the public in November 98, immediately securing a position at number two on the chart. While I remembered some of the other songs we talked about, it was tragedy, I think, that really was the real breakthrough for them. Yeah, it was. Again, the moves, the sort of the dance tragedy. You know this is audio only, so no one can see the dance you're demonstrating. (laughs) They know, they know. The true fans know. The song's enduring appeal over the Christmas season led to a remarkable resurgence, propelling it back up the charts. Finally, in January 1999, a full eight weeks after its initial release, the single achieved the coveted number one status. It went on to sell over a million copies and maintained its presence on the charts for an impressive 30 weeks. And of course, this was back when the charts were much more significant than they are today, with the various platforms that stream music. We don't have that top of the pops moment on a a capital radio doing the top 40 on a Sunday evening like we used to. But back then, how high you got in those charts was really the critical factor of whether your song and you as an artist was a success. Mm, Steps were among the ensemble artists who unveiled Thank Abba for the Music, a medley featuring Abba's best songs such as Take a Chance on Me, Dancing Queen, Mamma Mia and Thank You for the Music. This performance took place at the Brit Awards in March 99. They were joined by other notable artists of the time, including Tina Cousins, Cleopatra... Coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> Bewitched and Billy, collectively known as the Super Troopers. Subsequently, the single reached its peak at number four of the charts. Steps had been nominated for the Best Newcomer Awards at the Brits. There was a little controversy here when Pete Waterman claimed he'd been told a few days earlier before the awards that Steps would be walking away with that trophy. However, they didn't. Do you remember when that Scottish band, Bell and Sebastian, was surprisingly given the award? Oh, yeah. So there were rumours that a large number of last-minute votes were allegedly traced back to a couple of computers in a university somewhere, so there was some suggestion that there was some rigging. However, the organisers of the Brits denied this, and Steps didn't get you know reinstated with that award, so it went to Bell and Sebastian. It's amazing what goes on. You know, we were, we would have been watching that as younger people than we are now, obviously, um, the Brit Awards, and then not knowing that controversy there. The I remember it was a massive idea. shock, though, because Bell and Sebastian came from nowhere, and I think that was 1999. I think they, Bell and Sebastian had released their first single a number of years before that, so there was also a bit of controversy of how could they be best newcomer when they've been out for it's like three or four years yeah, before that. That's true. So you can understand why Pete is a bit annoyed. Yeah, I think Pete is the kind of guy who gets annoyed rather than um, a lot, right? Pete, like we know it. Pete, no, <laughs> Pete. We mentioned so much now, it's just Pete and Mike, isn't it? And the other one. <laughs> On March the 8th, 99, Steps launched the final single to come from their Step 1 album, titled Better, Best Forgotten. The single reached its peak at the second position on the chart. In July of 1999, Steps introduced the inaugural single from the upcoming album, Steptacular, titled Love's Got a Hold of My Heart. This track achieved notable second place ranking in the UK chart, further solidifying their impressive streak of chart-topping success. As their fame grew, the time had come for the group to expand their musical presence beyond the UK borders. Towards the end of 99, Steps embarked on a tour across North America, 
where they had the privilege of supporting the renowned singer Britney Spears. Who? During her Baby One More Time tour. During their stay in the United States, Steps also unveiled a remixed version of One for Sorrow, which found its place on the soundtrack of the film Drive Me Crazy, featuring Melissa Joan Hart. Additionally, a revamped edition of their album Step One, featuring select tracks from Steptacular, made its way into the US music scene. And that's massive, isn't it? Because if you remember how big Britney Spears was, even then, to be the group that were chosen to go and support her, it's huge. Mm. And all of the UK acts always find America really hard to crack, don't they? And in this case, Steps did find their success in the United States at this time was moderate, but they began to expand that musical footprint worldwide. So they did achieve chart-topping status in a range of Mm -hmm. other countries, but America was proving a tough nut to crack. Yeah, as a lot of other bands find. Absolutely. Obviously, if you can be supporting Britney Spears, that's a good start. Upon their return to the UK, Steps released After the Love Has Gone to positive reviews. It debuted at number five on the charts, and following this single success, the second album, Steptacular, was unleashed in October 99. The album made an extraordinary debut, claiming the number one spot and reigning for over four consecutive weeks. Steptacular has sold over 1.2 million copies in the UK alone. Wow. Yeah. What followed was the biggest arena tour that had ever taken place with over 30 sold out dates in three months. They released another Christmas double A side. They love a double A side. They love a double A side. No, 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 no. Pete loves a double A side. Pete loves a double A side. (laughs) So they released another Christmas double A side in 99 with Say You'll Be Mine and Better the Devil You Know, which peaked at number four. Steps got back on the road for another tour, but not before releasing Deeper Shade of Blue which was originally recorded by Tina Cousins, but her version didn't get released. Steps hit number four in the chart with their version. Can I just say, Jimmy, every time you say the names of those songs, I just want to sing them. Yeah, a lot of the songs that we're talking about, as soon as the name comes up. So if you ask mm. me to name ten Steps songs, I'm not sure I could get there. But as they were all coming up, mm. like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. I know that one. <laughs> so, yeah. One of my favourites. I'll tell you in a minute. Have, you, have we got to it yet? Not yet. Okay. In July 2000, Steps released another double A side consisting of the spectacular track When I Said Goodbye and an entirely new song, Summer of Love. And it was around this time that rumours began about some issues forming in the group. And when the video for Summer of Love was released, there were parts of it that showed Faye sitting alone and fans began to wonder if this was a subliminal signal that she was about to leave the group. On the plus side, it was at the, at the 2000 Brit Awards that Steps did get their hands on an award winning Best Selling Live Act of the Year. Oh, fair play to them. That same month, Stomp became their second number one single. The album was received with mixed reviews, with the group having moved away from their original sound and working with new producers to come up with something that was seen as a little bit more mature. They hit number two with It's The Way You Make Me Feel and followed with Double A-Side, Here and Now and You'll Be Sorry. The announcement that the next release would be a Greatest Hits album sent the rumour mill into overdrive. Fans saw this as a clear indication that the run was over and that steps would be splitting up. However, the group adamantly denied this in every interview they did. And I remember seeing them on all of these interviews consistently denying and actually becoming relatively frustrated that they kept being asked about them splitting up when there was no foundation for these rumours. Yeah, I can see that. On October the 15th, 2001, the album Gold Greatest Hits was released with the first single being a cover of the Diana Ross song Chain Reaction. The second single, Words Are Not Enough, I Know Him So Well, was another top five hit. The album contained three original tracks, but these were not particularly well received. 
to promote the album, they wouldn't went on tour. They do love a tour. They do love a tour. But they, that's, they, they've won, they, the award they won was for live acts, and yeah, they love I'm just tour. thinking, they probably toured more than anybody mm-hmm. else around that time. They were constantly on tour. Yeah. That's a, a big commitment as individuals, five people that were put together through auditions that didn't have that, you know, that childhood French, friendship yeah. we've spoken about, some yeah. groups having in the bars. Yeah. To not have that and to suddenly be hoisted together with these other members of the group mm. and spending all of that time away from home in yeah. hotel rooms, yeah. going from venue to venue, doing all that travelling on buses and spending that much time in such close proximity mm. to these individuals that they essentially they're work colleagues. Mm. To promote the album, the group went on tour. However, what wasn't revealed at the time was that H and Claire had already told the rest of the group that they would be leaving after that tour. In fact, they formally handed them resignation letters. Wow. The way it was reported at the time made it feel quite a cold way of doing it. Yeah. But we have just said that these were essentially colleagues. Mm. And if I was at work and was resigning, the way I would have to do it, however long I'd worked there and whatever my relationship with them was like, you still formally have to give them a letter. But the rest of the group, the letters would surely be to the producers the rest of the group it would be like look we're thinking of leaving you don't what did they ask to meet and then they had five copies of the letter yeah, I imagine it was one copy that was passed around oh right read it and pass it on yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Lee Latchford Evans is going to be reading it and Faye says oh let's have a look no 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 no, no Faye this is my copy <laughs> what's on it I'm not telling you so get your own copy love it's <laughs> a bit weird the final date of the tour was a Sky box office event, and fans could see that some of the members of the group were on stage in tears. The rumour mill was fuelled again. On Boxing Day of 2001, the press got hold of the news that steps were breaking up. This was a huge blow to fans who had felt relieved to hear the group continually deny the rumours. There were tears and anger with the perception floated that steps had not announced that they were splitting up to make as much money as they could out of their album and their tour. Now, there was some controversy around this time, wasn't there? Because throughout all of the interviews in the months that preceded this announcement, they completely denied that there was anything in the rooms of them splitting up. And when you put it like that, they obviously had that in mind. But isn't it better to quash rumours until you're ready to come out and admit the truth? And maybe, beyond H and Claire, the others didn't believe that they were splitting up. At what point were H and Claire having those chats and obviously deciding to to leave the group. But even if they were having those chats suggesting that they might leave the group, you wouldn't announce that. Like, I wouldn't go to my boss and say, I'm thinking thinking about leaving. No. So at that time, when those rumours were there originally, maybe they were wavering. So there's no point in confirming it if you're not sure. No. What I'm not quite sure about, and I think is sad, is that they either say, we're leaving at the beginning of the tour, so then your tour is the last thing. Not halfway through at all, you either resign at the beginning of the tour and that's your final tour to do, or you end at the you have to end at that tour. The fact that they had to perform their last day of the tour and they've been given their resignation, you know, the other groups have seen their resignation, I think that's a bit that's poor timing. It is. After Lee and Lisa had previously been quite vocal about the fact that they wouldn't listen to stepped music themselves. Mm. Fans began to assume that they were responsible for the split. Mm. So at this stage, it wasn't made clear that H and Claire had had handed in their resignation letters. It was only when Lisa's mother, Jan, stormed into message boards to confirm it was H and Claire who triggered the end of the group 
the fans have been assuming that Lee and Lisa were behind it. So Lisa's yeah. mum bowls straight into the message board and was like, it's not my Lisa, it's H and Steps. <laughs> it soon came out that H and Claire signed a deal as a duo with Warner Music, but Jive Records felt that there was more Steps juice to squeeze. This is the bit that I could never get at the time. Why they would leave Steps, the two of them together, and form on their own. That's the bit that I could never understand why they do it, because their music was just like Steps. But maybe they didn't like either the management they were under, whether it was some of the bandmates were becoming irritating. You have to remember, when I look at a work situation, you don't choose to be with those people, but you're spending all hours of the day with them. These guys are taking that to another level. It's not just all hours mm-hmm. of the day. They're then going back to the hotel, first thing in the morning, yeah, they're there, true. everywhere they look, they're there. So if you do start having some, it might not even be that deep down you have a hearty dislike for each other. It's just you've had enough. I mean, obviously, yeah. Beth, there's never a situation where I could just do with a break from you. No. Obviously, that would never happen. Mm-hmm. Or, and vice versa. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Charlie. Yes, Jimmy. That's right. But I do have some sympathy. If there was someone else in the group that was becoming too much for them or that there was some natural divide, it doesn't make either side bad people. It's just sometimes you don't click or sometimes you click for a while and then you're all clicked out. Mm. So you mentioned then that Jive Records felt there was more steps juice to squeeze. And what they did is they released Last Dance in November 2002, but the reaction was poor. So the album was filled with B-side tracks and remixes, but the fans had heard all all of these already. That's quite an opportunistic approach for the record label to take, and you shouldn't be surprised by that, but amidst the kind of emotion and the anger that's already there about the split, it does feel like perhaps a a bad move. Yeah, I think it was. So H and Claire did have three top ten singles before the success began to fade. Claire went on to do some television presenting work, but knocked it on the head as she planned to marry Mark Webb, who had been a dancer for Steps. Well, H did musical theatre course at the Royal Academy of Music and took part in numerous theatre shows and pantos. On the 3rd of January 2007, he came out as gay in an interview with the Sun newspaper, and this was on the day he was entering the Celebrity mm, Big Brother yes, house. Yes, yeah. Do you remember, remember that? that? Yeah, I remember that. I remember him coming out, and I remember the fact that the interview was done and released on the morning that he was going into the house. But my mind's completely blank about what he was like in the house. Don't you remember he was in, um, he made the final of Celebrity Big Brother, the one with Jade Goodin, Danielle Lloyd, and she had oh, racism. Oh, that's why I wouldn't yeah. have remembered him. Yeah, because, because that was all shadowed, yeah. shadowed by the racism, yes. It was, I remember, that That makes a lot of sense because, yeah, it would have taken a lot to overshadow because mm-hmm. that was essentially brilliant that was, was going on in the was. house. Faye went on to duet with Russell Watson and their song, Someone Like You, got to number 10 in 2002. Lisa Scott Lee managed her brother's group, 3SL, before they were dropped. She signed a solo deal with Mercury Records. She released a couple of singles that the label dropped her before she could release her album. MTV did a fly-on-the-wall documentary on her and her family. She said in it that if her next musical efforts were not successful, she would quit the industry. The final episode showed her reaction to realising that she had not been a success. She engaged in reality TV, such as Dancing on Ice and Celeb Air. Do you remember when she tried her songs with just Lisa? She tried to be like a Kylie. 
Do you remember? I don't remember that, no, but I have to say, I I do remember that documentary that was done. Mm. You're going to have to help me with the name because my mind's gone blank, possibly because it happened after the 90s, so... Do you remember the girl from Liberty X who was dating mm. or engaged to one, her of, brother, her one of her brothers? She yeah. was on that documentary show. Yes. And I remember thinking that without any substance whatsoever, Michelle, Lisa Heat- Michelle Heaton and Lisa yes. were probably two people that I couldn't mm. see getting on very well mm. because they were both quite similar. They were mm. both quite, shall we say, hungry. Yeah. Yeah, I always felt that, that that would be an odd pairing, but I don't really remember too much about the episode, but it sounds like it was partly covering Lisa's journey back to chart success and whether she'd get there, kind of following her on that trail. And mm. Like many of these shows have a fairy tale ending, and fortunately for Lisa, it sounded like this one didn't. In 2006, Lee Latchford Evans took part in an MTV show called Totally Boy Bands. Do you remember this? <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> this was superb. So the idea was that former members of various groups got together to form a group called Upper Street. So along with Lee, the group consisted of Dane Bowers from Another Level, Jimmy Constable from 911, Bradley McIntosh from S Club 7, and Danny Wood from New Kids on the Block. This was a rather bizarre idea, and the manager, who I distinctly remember from the show, who was quite matter-of-fact and to the point, he was the manager of N-Dubs at the time, I think that was his... Was he? Is that... Yeah. Yeah, so the show didn't go brilliantly well for Lee Latchford Evans, because he wasn't pretty much made a laughing stock to the rest of the group. He made statements so... <laughs> I can't emphasize so much. He made statements... Originally, he was making statements about steps being bigger than the Beatles, and there was some substance in the sense that there were certain statistics that he could put forward that showed steps made made more sales on certain things than the Beatles did. So there was something in what he was saying, but he's come out to the rest of the group and said steps were bigger than the Beatles. And he also had this thing where he wanted to bring a more rocky sound into the group. Now, that's not what Lee Latchford Evans was known for, and I think there was a lot of the other members of the group throwing their eyes up to heaven. But do you remember what he insisted on being called? I do. Go on. The Latch. The Latch. The Latch. And they were all talking about the um, nicknames, weren't they? And they were saying, yeah, I'll be The Latch. And no one, no one bought it. They were like, no, no, we're not calling you. It's 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 like, The Latch, The Latch. It's sort of like the Rossichon. Yeah. (laughs) From Friends, isn't it? It is. It's that name that you keep saying yourself, hoping that it catches on. Well, Lee was sacked by the rest of the group, but he would have gone on to enjoy their single completely fail and the project being shut down afterwards. But it was an unfortunate time and it was funny to watch. I can't deny that. Mm. But looking back on it, it it did feel a bit brilliant. And I'll tell you one thing I do remember from it. Dane Bowers and Jimmy Constable being the two that were really... And then you had the guy from New Kids on the Block who was kind of on the sidelines saying Mm. the same stuff. Do you know Bradley from S Club 7 never opened his, never got involved in any of the nonsense? Mm. And his voice was actually, I thought yeah. he was the most talented out of all of them. He actually had a really good voice. The trouble with him, as I recall, he kept coming in late. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's so good that you remember that. Yeah, that's true. Like you say, entertaining at the time, but actually Lee was a person there trying to yeah. sort of carry on his musical love or his and, love of music. And the thing was, is when he was in Steps, he said he wouldn't have listened to Steps music. So he obviously had this interest in music outside of the, mm. the pop that they were releasing at the time. But obviously he's gone into this other group and said about the Rocky sound. And I think they looked at it, saw what Steps produced and sort of thought, nah, that's not really your thing. Also, but 
And, 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 and you're right when you said about Dane Bowers and Jimmy from 911 being the sort of the ringleaders on that. Who were they? Uh, I think you know, they, they came across Jimmy, to me. Jimmy from 911. Yeah, he, he, was, he was the dancer Dane in 911. Dane Bowers had talent, but he's always, I've mm-hmm. never really liked mm-hmm. him as a, as a bloke. And it did feel like the two of them thought they were too good for mm. enough. And looking at it, you thought, well, I, I get why you're laughing at, mm. at some of the stuff he's saying, but to sack him because you didn't think he was going to be cool enough for the group mm. that went on to completely flop and was a joke from the start. Yeah. It just, at the time, it was just, it, was, it must have been embarrassing for the. Yeah. But as you say, who are you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. They were in no better position to yeah. kind of take that stand, and it, it did feel a bit like. Looking back on it now, it did feel a bit unfair. And in some ways, wouldn't you say, so another level where Dane Bowers came from and also 911 from where Jimmy came from, wouldn't you say that overall Steps would have Steps, oh, were, more su- steps were more successful than both yeah, of them both put together. You see? Yeah. So when you look at it like that, I know we laugh about it with the latch and everything, but actually it was, that was cool. But no one picked up on that. Mm. I think it, I think you can have a, a joke about it. So like if someone, one of our friends came into the room and started saying, yeah. from now on guys, you can call me the yeah. whatever. You, you'd find it funny and you'd laugh and you'd yeah. snigger. But to get him sacked from the group because you thought you were that much better, I, I don't know. I was glad when their single failed. Yeah. Yeah. But that was mainly because of Dane Bowers and, and Jimmy. I think there was an arrogance the two of them had mm-hmm. at the time that was very unjustified. Mm-hmm. So when Steps were together, there were often rumours about them splitting up. And now that they parted, the rumours were always there about them reuniting. Fans were overjoyed when it was announced in July 2011 that they would be getting back together for a four-part Sky Living documentary and that they would be releasing their ultimate collection as well as some new material. NME called the documentary the most cringy yet horribly compelling event of the year. It became a big hit filled with those awkward but incredibly watchable moments. It showed Lisa lamenting the fact that Claire used to get all the lead vocals to which Claire commented, but I was the better singer. (laughs) But she's right. Yeah, she's right, yeah. Lee talked about uh, threatening to deck H, while Faye gently asked the duo who resigned whether they really hated the rest of them. Now, H said he did regret the way that it ended, but that he would do the same thing again in the same way. What, the letters? Yes. He would do that, he'd print off more letters. And... But, but he regretted it, but he would do it all again in exactly the same way, so sorry, that. not sorry. Yeah. Lisa said that the problems first came about when H started flying in Britney Spears' private jet while the rest of them travelled by bus. Who said that? Lisa. Oh, right, okay, so that feels a little bit like jealousy from yeah. Lisa, so yeah. if Britney Spears asked me to share a flight with her rather than travelling in a bus overnight, I think I'd do it. Would you not ask if I could come too? That's a t- that, that, that pause is too boring. <laughs> I would do that for you. I'd say, well, I'd love to come. Can I bring Jimmy as well? Yeah. I, would, I hope it never happens. I would definitely do that. Claire had a different view on where the problem started, and she said it was when they found out about the secret relationship that H had been having with the group's manager, Tim Byrne. Mm. Now, I could see how that would start yes. having, having an effect. If you're at work and one of your colleagues is starting to have a relationship with the boss, mm. that is going to cause a little bit of tension in politics. Yeah, 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 yeah. But wouldn't that mean that it causes tension with Claire and H? But she went off and made a group with him. So she's saying, oh, the problem started when she found out about H. But, but maybe, what, she was annoyed with H, but then went and made a band with him? That but, doesn't make but, but maybe 
you know, everybody does things that upset us and annoy us, or even sometimes just because we weren't told, we feel like yeah, you should have told me. And maybe yeah. there was a bit of that. But clearly, Claire was able to, to get over that. So this documentary, although it was quite... Sorry to interrupt, Jimmy, you would be a bit annoyed if, say, in any work situation, your colleague, you find out that one of your colleagues is sleeping with the boss, you'd be a bit like... It depends. It depends on which colleague. Same level as you. Yeah, but it depends on which one. Some of them you wouldn't have any... But if it was someone that I hated them and they hated me, then yeah, I'd be like, damn it, damn it. But if it was someone I liked or someone who I knew was all right, then it wouldn't bother me in the slightest, to be honest with you. See, I think if it was someone... If it was in my work situation, if, if there was a group of us and then suddenly you found out that one of them had been... Is, is having a relationship with it and we didn't know anything about it, I'd feel a bit like, ooh. No. What you'd feel? <laughs> ooh. What, what? Yeah, you know Can you translate ooh for Just us? a bit, oh, I wish I'd known that before. I mean, you know, right. what are you saying to your colleagues? You might be slagging the boss off or something and then you realise, oh, your colleagues did him. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. Although the documentary was a bit tense at times, the chat did seem to heal some old wounds and the group embarked on another tour and released an album on the 12th of November 2012, Steps released that album, Light Up the World, and that consisted of just Christmas songs. And in May 2013, it was announced that Steps were going to take a break, a more harmonious hiatus than the first time out. That wouldn't have been difficult. No. <laughs> they were at pains to say that they had not split. So they're confirming that they're not spitting up, we're just having a little break. Yeah, and I think after the tension the first time yeah. around, it, yeah. it, it's nice that it was done better. And remember, they're older now, like yes. all of us. They've got the experience, they've gone away and done their own things. I think this time they would have had families, they've got married, more control um, and a say in the type of music and how it's all run. But I think it's different when these bands come back from a reunion. So I think in the early days when you're younger and you're out there touring all the time, everything's about chasing for that success, trying to be number one, trying to beat everybody else, trying to be the high-profile one within your own group and all of that. Mm. I think as you get older, just being involved in the industry, just having that, being able to relive the, that moment on arena tours where you've mm. got a sell-out crowd and you're getting this into you appreciate that. And this is no criticism of any band. No. But you can imagine, and we spoke to Errol from China Black, and he told us about the 90s tours that he does now mm. and that feeling of getting back in front of an audience. Mm. And, you know, the audience had grown with the bands. They'd been part of their mm. lives, you know, and being able to go back to them at an older age and kind of, you're all getting together to do it for, well, let's have one last hurrah kind of thing. I think it is different. There's a different vibe about it. It's not... You don't suddenly start having the arguments about who's doing what interview and who's doing this and who's mm. doing that because actually you're all older and given all the water that's gone under the bridge, you're all just grateful to have, be able to go out and do it all again. Yeah. So in 2017, they were true to their word and as they confirmed that the five-year break was over, they would be touring and releasing another album. Tears on the Dance Floor was released in April 2017 and entered the charts at number two. The next album was released in November 2020. The first single was What the Future Holds and that was followed by Something in Your Eyes on the 27th of October 2020. To the Beat of My Heart was released as the album's third single in January 21 and the following year they released another album and in 2020 they went off on yet another tour. So each of the members have had their own projects while remaining part of Steps, but it will be no surprise to hear them releasing more material and doing more tours in the year ahead. And that, Beth, is the drama-filled story of Steps. Oh, that's good. I like that. 
There's some things that I remember not touching on. So Claire with her sort of yo-yo dieting and Lisa Scott Lee got married to some businessman, I think, and lives over in Dubai now, or did before they did that documentary yeah, about I, coming back. I'm pretty sure she, no, she, I'm pretty sure she still does some performing over in Dubai. Uh, okay, but I yeah. think the challenge we had on this episode is there's five individuals, and mm. if we were to do the story of each of the individuals, we would have picked up a lot of these things. Yeah, um, and of course, H now is a, a, a single parent. Oh, I didn't realise he'd split up with his husband. Yeah, so he's a father to twin boys, Max mm. and Sibby. Saibi, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. Um, they were born b- via a surrogate in mm. 2016, and he said virtually from the beginning after he split with his former partner, Craig Ryder, a year after they'd mm. adopted the babies. Yeah. As I say, with so many events in the lives of the five individuals, we couldn't go through every story as an individual. So what we've tried to do is cover the, the story of the band. It's always nice going down memory lane. It's like I said before, every time you were saying the titles of their tracks, I was singing them in my head. Oh, the, the, the bit that I quite enjoyed remembering was was the Totally Boy Band. Mm. That was quite good. Mm. As much as there was some questionable some questionable behaviour from a couple mm. of people on it, it was still funny. Like, I can't lie, it was hilarious. I think also the, the step of the documentary, I mean, there's, there's an insatiable appetite from the British public for that awkwardness and that confronting people, mm. particularly when it stars that you knew so well and never mm. got to see what was really going on behind the scenes. Mm. But then to see them getting together and having it out. Yes. Latch again threatening to deck H. I mean, yeah, who would win in a fight with those two though? Oh, I H- actually don't H know. H and the Latch, yeah, the Latch would destroy yeah. him. Destroy the Latch would, and I can't believe I'm now referring to him as the Latch. <laughs> but he will always be the Latch. He, he got his way, he, he's now the Latch, but yeah, yeah, the Latch would destroy him. He's actually a personal trainer now, and he's in pretty good shape. And I have to say, fair play to Steps. I mean, they were a band of their time, got people up on the dance floor. You know, people that would not necessarily admit to liking their music. They would sing along. You would do that. You could do the tragedy dance moves now. You know you could. So I I do think it's nice to have had them within our lives, had them within the 90s era. And I like the fact that they can get over their differences, form again, and they can perform to their fans who have also grown up with them. I think absolutely good luck to them because if you think about it, how many groups, and I don't know, I don't read the stage newspaper or any of those kind of things, but how often must there be auditions for bands and groups that never go anywhere and never do anything and disband very, very quickly? These guys were put together originally with the concept of them doing line dancing songs, and they went on to win Brit Award, they went on to have number one hits, number one albums, and even now, all of these years on, they're still able to go and fill out arenas and have dedicated fans really Mm. supporting them and and going on that journey with them. So you have to say, these five individuals who came from all different backgrounds, all different places around Britain, they got together, they released their music, they changed the path, thankfully, because otherwise they wouldn't have survived. Yeah, I would not have liked to have seen loads of line dancing. No, I I don't don't think they would have had the longevity. I think the line dancing 5, 6, 7, 8, was a a novelty that capitalised on the trend at the time. But what they went on to do, it was more than a novelty, as I Mm. remember them. Steps Mm. were incredibly famous at the time. Mm. I mean... Mm. I wasn't a Steps fan, but I would have no hesitation in naming out the five members of Steps at any yeah, point. So that's how known they were. Yeah. They were a massive, massive band. And they come from all of their, their different starts and they've got together through this audition. 
And remember, they've got through another 5,000 people. They've got ahead of another 5,000 people to get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't even the original lineup, so yeah. they survived that. Yeah. We haven't covered any bands before. We've covered individuals that have been in bands like Robbie Williams, and there was all that tension when he left mm-hmm. Take That. But as we said, when you get older, your perspective on things is different. The things that would have rubbed you up when you're seeing someone 23 hours a day, six and a half days a week, it's going to be different when you're older. And you're going to have a bit more appreciation for each other. And I'm much more patient than I was when I was younger. Yeah. I'm much more yeah. relaxed than I was when I was younger. And it, why wouldn't you be the same for them? And mm. right now, they're out enjoying it. And I think that sometimes when you're in the heat of it, from everything we've learned from the different episodes we've done, Sometimes when you're in the heat of it, it's the pressure, it's the constant pressure, it's a job. Whereas when you see these bands perform these days, it doesn't look like they're doing a job. No. They're, they're pursuing a passion now. They're, they're enjoying what they're doing and they're appreciative of it and they're, mm. they're grateful for the opportunity of what they're doing. And I think sometimes it's hard to get outside of that bubble when you're in your early 20s yeah. and you're having that, that success with you know, every record they were releasing was hitting the charts yeah. you know, at a high, yeah. a high level, even when they but, weren't getting number one. But I think the, there was a thing that when they were getting on, the five of them did gel together. You know, you had the three girls and then you had the two boys. Their dance routines were all put together really well. You had Claire that was a really good singer. So together, they had that package. I think so. And if you think about things like, so we talked about H coming out as gay the the day Mm. he went into the Big Brother house. That wasn't news to Steps. No. no. They'd known that for years, right? They they even knew who he was having an affair with. Yeah. So that was something that they shared among themselves mm. as a group and something that, you know, they kept tight knit and, mm. and they kept, you know, there was no, none of them going to the papers and releasing, no. oh, and by the way, she's gay or anything like that. That was something that they kept as a, a friendship. Mm. And I think sometimes there's a view that when a band falls out that, oh, they always hated each other. And sometimes that is the case. Sometimes there's jealousy. And I could definitely see Lisa Scott Lee being jealous of Claire. Yeah. Getting the getting yeah. all the lead vocals and stuff like that. And I think there are other bands where that's happened as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes people feel if there's a fallout that they've always hated each other. Well, actually, we all fall out with our friends and yeah. we all make up afterwards and we all realise sometimes that we acted a bit of a dick. Thank you, Adam. It was a great recommendation and we hope we've done it proud. It was brilliant. I loved it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Really good to have you with us on this, this episode that took us through the life of Steps as a group. If, like Adam, you have a request of us and you've got a band or an individual that you'd like us to cover from the 90s, do get in touch with us at beth at talktothehand.co.uk and jimmy at talktothehand.co.uk You can also reach us on Twitter at talktothehandpod and we'd love to hear your feedback on the episode so far and anything you'd like to discuss about future potential episodes. If you've enjoyed the episode, please do leave us a five-star rating. That would make myself and Beth extremely happy. As happy as H was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as energetic as H was. Yeah, that would make us very energetic. So we'd really appreciate if you could do that for us. But until the next episode, talk, talk to, to the, the hand. hand.